Good day, folks. My name is John, and I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of mine. It is indeed a humbling privilege. Humbling privilege. Today, I'd like to talk about something that might upset and offend a few people. Not that I'm overly concerned with upsetting or offending. Today's a bit of an idle speculation day, and I know that you Calvinists out there don't like that idle speculation. And I have oftentimes heard it said that we have no right whatsoever to imagine, to imagine God, to imagine what could have been. Well, I staunchly disagree with that. In fact, I have no problem sitting in my bed, staring at my ceiling, looking up at the stars, and wondering and dreaming of what might have been, of what could have been. And oftentimes, because our theology is based on the antithetical of what is, we never stop to consider for a moment what could have or should have been. And we absolutely know a few things because there are hints dropped out throughout Scripture of what should have been, of what could have been, of the way life was meant to be. For you see, when you read the Genesis narrative, we can extrapolate a few things. One of which is what God had designed and created. And to be sure, it was all good. In fact, when he created mankind, it was all very good. Now, I'm not going to get into some kind of nonsensical argument about whether it was a literal seven days, which I do not personally subscribe to, or, or whether or not we lived in some form of special revelation, which I think, again, is nonsensical. However, what I want to look at is from a slightly different angle. I want to look at the narrative of what the intention was and how we can extrapolate that intention based on what we absolutely know to be certain. Now, as I'm doing this, I want you to understand that I am not trying to create a new theology, I'm not trying to create a new orthodoxy, and I'm not trying to do anything other than looking at all of this from a sideways meta perspective. What did God intend? And I think we can look at that. I think we can. And just bear with me for a little bit. You might, you might disagree with this. That's okay. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm not claiming at this point to speak for the Lord, speak on his behalf. I am flat out, 100% idly speculating based on what I have read in Scripture. So we know a couple of things. We know that man was created in God's image and likeness. This is very important to see and understand and know. We were made in the image and likeness of God. We are his children, effectively. Now, I have come to learn a statement, and I've said it many times before, not here, not on this broadcast or podcast, but I have said it many times before to uh, people whom I have spoken with in person. Though I will never be my father, I have the potential to be like my father. 
Now that's very interesting when you think about that. I am a man. I have all the faculties necessary, the abilities to be a parent as much as anybody else. And if I were to raise a child, that child effectively would in so many ways be in my image and likeness. We have procreated, and in many cases, that is what we are seeing in the Genesis narrative. God is procreating. He is, however he is doing it, he is raising up a creation, a very specific creation, mankind, in his image and likeness. And no other creation, no other creature, excuse me, has the privilege to say such a thing. Not the cats, not the dogs, not the birds, not the fish. These are all beasts of burden that are meant to serve us, and we are to be their masters. Now imagine that for one second, because we know absolutely through the teachings of Christ that we are meant to be the inheritors of the kingdom of heaven co-inheritors in Christ that means to say that all that is the father's is meant to be ours this is the way it was supposed to be and we know this how do we know this because we fell away from something now I read the Genesis narrative, and I'd like to give you a little bit of background on this. I have actually read Scripture solely from the perspective of Scripture. My father taught me how to reason and logically assert and deduce. My father gave me these abilities. He taught me these abilities. But more so, I believe very much that the Lord God himself gave us these abilities to logically assert and deduce. If it were not so, I don't suppose that the word... The logos, the root word for logic, would be called so. So God gave us the ability to reason and deduce. It was not an invention of man, but an invention or an attribute of God. And though we do not always understand our parents, eventually, through trial and tribulation, through growth, we'll eventually get there. So we know for certain that we are to be in the inheritors of the kingdom of heaven. We know for certain that we are made in the image and likeness of God. So what then are we seeing in the Genesis narrative? Well, I think we have to ask the question, what is the one thing that we have to learn? And we have to learn the ability of choice. The ability to choose, and we have to learn to be responsible for our choices. And a choice was presented for us. Obey a simple command or do not. Now, Adam had no problem obeying the commands of go off and name, name all the animals. God sat back delightfully watching Adam, the first man, Adama, Adam, I might have copped that from Battlestar Galactica. You'll have to excuse me. Sometimes I get my little, my, my phrases mixed up. My wife is the Hebrew uh, scholar, if you will, or at least the Hebrew student. Now, we know that God sat down and he said, go do this. Adam did. He created naming conventions based on what the Lord God had given him. Wisdom and intellect, knowledge, the ability to speak, the ability to use his mind. 
And along comes this serpent one day, whether you want to believe that is a literal talking serpent or not, that's entirely your choice. I have my opinions on it one way or the other. And that serpent said to Eve, said, hey, why don't you go eat this fruit? Now, I would also, I w- I would also like to say that serpent did not entirely lie, at least not from a perspective. For you see, the way serpents talk, as we know, they use something called doublespeak. See, the serpent knew when he told Eve this, and Adam standing right by her side. He knew that their minds were going towards one direction, and he knew that they were not thinking in the direction and trajectory that they ought be. He said, well, why don't you eat this? And they said, well, we're going to die. And he said, surely you will not die. Well, that's interesting that they knew about death. They knew about death. It's also why I do not subscribe to the fact of death entered into the world, at least not in the sense, the physical sense. For you see, we also know, too, that Adam and Eve were commanded to tend to the garden. You have to tend to something. So what does that mean? Does that mean we are not going to sit down and trim the trees and harvest the soil? No, of course not. It just means that something that was already there has been made more difficult, as we see in the punishment. Because I believe, and I think, oh golly, I think, I think that earth is a proving ground. And I think that everything that we have here is a twist and a perversion of what was supposed to be because of our own choices. That's what I think. So here comes the serpent, and he says to Eve, you're not going to die. You'll be fine. But Eve never understood what he was talking about. Oh, she knew about death. She knew and understood that death would await her. Well, how does she know what death is if death had not been around? Did God tell her? Sure, maybe. But she's thinking death of the flesh. That's interesting now. Because you see, the serpent, the double-tongued, the forked-tongue, was speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Oh, for surely the flesh was meant to die. Not right then and there. Of course, we know this by, at, at the least, Adam's longevity and then his sons afterwards. But there was something specific that God was trying to get to us. And I do not believe that it was the flesh. I believe the flesh was meant to carry us from point A to point B, to keep us separated, but yet in communion with God. And that's interesting. Because again, with the antithetical arguments, the arguments that start from the opposite supposition, oftentimes they do not consider what ought have been. And I think what ought have been would have been us living in this paradise that would have needed to be tended. 
Although, like childbirth being amplified, I think, too, the frustrations and difficulties of working with the land were amplified. But we were still meant to tend and work the garden. There was something there that we had to do. So when people say, well, you know, death never, no, 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 no. I don't believe that it was the physical death or decay. I believe it was something more. Because you see, Christ himself said many, many times why he was here. He was here to sanctify us, to save us from ourselves. Our bodies will die. But you see, I don't think that that is what that double tongue, that forked tongue serpent was saying. And I think that Adam and Eve very much so missed the mark. For they did not die. Or did they? Or did they? Oh, sure, their flesh lived on. But what about their spirits and their souls? That is what I believe he was talking about, that they were blissfully unaware of. They were not aware of that which they could not see. They were walking with the Lord God. They saw him. They talked with him. They did not fear him. But yet there was something in this world, something in this earth, that we were meant to do. And that is what I want to talk about briefly. Because you see, I wonder what the world would have looked like if even Adam had said to that serpent, No, get behind me, Satan. I am going to put my faith in the Lord God. I am going to trust him. What would that world look like? Would man and woman still be fruitful and multiply the earth? Yes, I believe so, because God commanded it to be. Would childbirth be difficult and painful? No, I don't believe so. I believe it would be joyful maybe even pleasurable to the woman? Would raising children be the burden that we have made it today? No, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Would we still be walking in communion with the Father? Oh, I absolutely believe so. See, by the time Moses came around, and he was up on the mountain, and he said, Lord, I would like to see you. Moses had to hide himself in the rock, because by that point, by that point in time, a thousand years later or so after the fact, I'm a little off of my dates, I know, I'm sorry. A few thousand years later, the goodness of humanity that allowed them to commune with God had been worn away. Now, the physical flesh was now sufficient enough for the next however long we live. And Moses could not stand in the presence of God. Could not do it. 
Oftentimes we say that God cannot stand in the presence of sin. No, 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 no. It is sin that cannot stand in the presence of God. And so, at that point, we see that no longer, man can no longer commune with God face to face. We are now fully separated from him because of that choice that we made. But yet, over here in the garden, for a moment, we were allowed to, we were permitted to. We had the ability, because we had chosen good, because we had seen good, we had chosen not to sin. And that is very important. So what then? What then would life have looked like? Well, guess what? The garden would still have grown, and the garden would still have needed tending to. That means the work would still be necessary. The work would still be necessary. Now, that work would not be toilsome. That work would not be difficult. That work would probably be pleasurable and good and necessary to teach us lessons, to help us to understand. Our lives would be extended Lives would be extended because we are still in a state of goodness. We've always been in a state of grace. We've never not been in a state of grace. The very fact that we are here is because of God's grace. But it would be good. It would be very good. We would probably live a life of peace and harmony And because I believe that the Lord God teaches us that if we had passed that first step, he would have explained to us that these bodies of ours are temporary vessels. That through faith, through grace, we are meant to inherit his kingdom, to share in glory by his side. But a separation must be kept so that way we can learn how to live and learn how to be faithful. And that when the time comes, when the test comes, and he sees that we are worthy, perhaps, not by the, the multitude of works, but by the choice of having faith that his way, his will is right and true to understand what it means to be humble, to understand what it means to be kind, generous, loving, and sacrificing. All the things that our Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Yeshua of Nazareth is. He would have taught us these things firsthand, I believe. We would have been in direct communion with God. This is what I believe. There probably would have been eh, no wars, squabbles. There probably would have been no need for a Savior. I am not denying Christ. I am merely idly speculating. We would have had no need for God to come down here and sacrifice himself, for we would have had no need to be saved. We would be living in communion with God already. The grace would look vastly different. And at times, at at a time, perhaps our bodies too would wither and decay. 
But I do not believe that when that time came, when that expiration date happened for our bodies, that it would be a sorrowful event. I believe that it would have been a joyful event. It would have been joyful. How can I say joyful? Death is joyful? Because we know we would have been fully aware that the bodies were just vessels, that the true trajectory was to share in glory with God, our Father, our Creator, to be inheritors, to come to full awareness, to come to the full understanding of God naturally. And that is why I argue oftentimes that we are living in an unnatural state, that we are subnatural to God, that we are subnatural to the paragon of all that is good, and that if our theology starts with ourselves rather than God, this is the perversion that we think. We think we invented all of this. No, we didn't. God did. God made all of this. God gave us the ability to reason. God gave us the ability to choose. We are children of God who have godlike emotions, godlike reason, but like children, we don't know what to do with them. And we act like fools running around, crying and squabbling over this and that because we don't get what we want. Well, welcome to the antithetical world in which we live in. If we had lived in a thetical world, if we had lived in a world that started off with the way things had supposed, were supposed to have been, then we wouldn't be having this conversation at all. Who knows what humanity would have been like, but I can tell you one thing. It would have been good. And because we know, based on what little we have, we can assert certain things. We can reason and rationale certain things. And that is why I base my theology, my orthodoxy, that which the Lord has inspired me with. He has given me eyes to see and ears to hear. But he had the eyes first. He had the ears first. He had the mouth first. And because he has given us these tools, how do we use them for good? For evil is the opposite of what we should be using these things for. This world was meant for good, and it is us, it is we who use it for evil, for our own carnal desires, for our own sinful ways. We are the ones who choose. And God gave us the privilege of choice. But I believe had Eve and Adam chosen to tell the double-tongued, interesting, the metaphor, the double-tongued, the forked tongue, the choice in the road. I say one thing, but you think I mean this over here. I believe that if she had chosen to say no, then God would have revealed the fullness of truth of what this was all about. Oh, well, that's all I got for you today. I just wanted to share these thoughts with you. You can take them as you will. And understand this, because we are fallen, because we are no longer good, 
We were made to be good, and we can choose to do good, but we can only choose these things because God has given us the ability to do so. Without God, without our Lord's grace, without the Master's decrees and commands, we can do nothing. For I can do all things through Christ, the Messiah. And He is necessary, absolutely necessary, because we chose, we chose, we all chose, at one point or another, we all chose. We live in a society that seems to think that it's okay to choose the antithetical because the antithetical has become the feces of our society and our culture. Oh, isn't that interesting? Television, music, movies, families. We all think that the way things are is the norm. But to God, the way we are doing things, cheating, the adultery, the drunkenness, these are the antithetical towards what is good. We, are, we ought to be married. We ought to make love to our spouses, our husbands, and our wives. I mean that in the singular, and I mean that in the possessive. We are meant to have children. Childbirth is meant to be joyful and pleasurable, not this pain. The work and the toil is meant to be good and necessary, and joyful, not happy. Not happy, but joyful and good. Because God made it so. We are the ones who chose. And because we chose, we need a Savior. We need to be made right with God so that way we can stand before God and say, Lord, please forgive us. You have washed us clean. But sometimes it is nice to think about what could have been. But let us not forget that is what might have been. But we have to focus on what is. And because what is, is a fallen state, we must live in that kind of world and in that kind of life, understanding that sooner or later, sooner or later, God is going to cut us all down. And that sooner or later, every single person who has ever breathed, who has ever lived, who has ever chosen, will stand before the Lord God himself. or not, or be eternally separated from him. I will bend my knee to him, and I will say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. But understand that we all have an expiration date, at least in this life. That much we know to be certain. I would choose, and I have chosen, I wish to live in communion with God. I wish to live with him, to be with him, to be an inheritor. But I can only do so by faith and understanding that it is through his grace that I have been given that privilege. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you were amused, maybe given something to think about, something to, you know, just ponder a little bit. I hope I spoke clearly for you. And until next time, I want to say thank you very much. And good day.